up, everybody? This is Ivan Ornelas, part of the Tectonic Takes, and we're bringing you episode 54, Going for the Gold, which is very fitting uh, description here because not only did we beat a team wearing gold, the Olympics just came to a close. So being in the United States, we got plenty of gold to go around here. And I'm here with a special guest. You've heard from him before in the podcast, uh, Danny Betancourt from L3 Pod. How are you doing? Doing good, man. I'm doing fantastic, man. I'm stoked on this team that we're seeing, especially oh yeah, producing so great results in the past three games in the span of a week. So I'm excited, earthquakes wise, personal life. I can't complain either, man. So it's all oh, good yeah. over here. Yeah, uh, it's August 9th as we're recording this on a Monday afternoon here in the Bay Area. Uh, back to school season so i'm sure traffic is gonna get even worse in the next few weeks uh and that could also apply for quakes games too so make sure to give yourself a little extra time if you're going to the games in these next few days yeah or weeks and if if any of my uh if any of the um listeners here are fellow teachers like i am just baby steps i don't know about y'all but my throat is today was my first day like teaching the with students and stuff and my throat is like, I can feel it gone already. So I might have to use a sick day coming up already. Is this in so, person or Zoom? Uh, in person now. Okay. We're in person with like the mask and this uh, for now. We'll see how long that lasts before they, they decide to make some differences. But for right now, we're in person. I'm seeing the students and uh, I'm pretty stoked on that, actually. Yeah, as of now, uh, there might be a few other last minute changes to my schedule coming up, but First, the one thing's guaranteed is that I am teaching a completely asynchronous online course uh, mm-hmm. through a community college called Cuyamaca College uh, over mm-hmm. in San Diego. And the beauty of it is because it's completely asynchronous, it's all online, so I can teach it from here in Livermore. So that's very nice. great. I'm thankful for that opportunity. It's going to be a challenge, of course, but it's yeah. nice that we still have this opportunity because uh First of all, online classes are a great option to have even when there isn't a pandemic because there's mm-hmm. a lot of people, particularly in community colleges, who have jobs, they have families to care, take care of, so that helps with their schedule. But yeah. especially now in this pandemic, I think there's a lot of students who are eager to go to in-person classes, even if they're wearing masks or whatever. But there's a lot of people who are happy to have this option for at least another semester, another year. So yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a good option sure. to have. For sure, man, for sure. Yep. And uh, during this pandemic now, it's been going on for almost a year and a half. And thankfully, one thing that has been constant is we've had a lot of Quakes soccer to enjoy. And lately, Mm -hmm. we certainly have been enjoying it. They've done something they've rarely done in the last few years, if not ever. They took four points out of a possible six from a road Cascadia doubleheader. They beat Seattle. They drew to Portland. With some newfound confidence from their late season success as well against LAFC in 2020. This was a good opportunity to continue that positive momentum. And when you think of positive momentum, you think of a great signing like Jeremy Abobise, and you want to greet him with a win as well. And that's exactly what happened with the two, one result at PayPal park. And while quakes remain in 10th place, they're just two points shy off the playoffs they made significant ground against that seventh place team, that crucial seventh place team. There's a five point gap that LAFC had. It's now shrunk to two. Uh, they're in trouble, but for the Quakes, it's only going up right now. You know, we always say um, the perfect remedy for any sort of sickness for any team is winning. 
Yeah. And, and that's just, and this is like exactly what Quakes are winning. They're not winning per se the full three points, but they are gaining momentum. They are winning. They are scoring. They're not dropping points. They are gaining points. Um, and in the in the way, the only reason we are tied, there's like a three way battle for eighth place right now. And the yep. only reason for that is because of those points or those goals that the Quakes dropped earlier in the season. But you saw this. You saw this in the game uh, on Sunday versus LAFC, a, a very prestige, uh, well-known um, team and known for their attack, attacking abilities. You know, same thing with Portland, same thing with Seattle. All these teams are champions or community shield holders. So to be able to come back and take some points away from those teams or like to be feared and reckoned with, it's a huge confident boost with the Quakes, and you see this, and you see this, and you saw it, and hopefully it just keeps on going with the next couple of games leading up um, to the break. Yeah, and maybe there are some, uh, I wouldn't say asterisks, but there are some conditions to these games, like Sounders and LAFC and those two wins. They weren't at full strength, but you can only play the teams in front of you and you just got to go out there and win. This is MLS, uh, especially in this current stage of MLS, even though you are restricted financially, you have the three DP spots. Teams have found a way to build more and more depth. And we've seen some of that depth in teams like Seattle Sounders that have allowed them to have so much success in this league. So I, there's no reason to take anything away from the results that the Quicks have been earning. Yep, Quakes are just playing the card that the cards that were dealt to them. And if yeah. it happens to be in our favor, so be it. You know what? That's the way the sport is. You can't win them all and you can't lose them all. So mm-hmm. I can't complain right now. Absolutely not. And while there's been a lot of fun on the Quakes front, before we go into this uh, recent game here, that we're wrapping up a summer of international tournaments. Uh, the U.S. men's national team won both the Nations League, of course, and the Gold Cup beating Mexico in both finals in very intense games. Both those games went to extra time, but USA had a very successful summer, at least in CONCACAF. And then with the Olympics, focusing on the uh, soccer side of things, in the men's tournament, Brazil earned their second gold in a row, also earning gold as a host nation before um, having sales for silver in London. Silver this time around went to the Spanish Bronze, Mexico. There we go. There we go. Finally, yes. baby. Yeah, it was nice. You know, Mexico, of course, they beat Brazil in the 2012 London Olympics to get the gold. They didn't make it out of the group stage in Rio, but they redeemed themselves. They got bronze medal. They took Brazil to penalties. So, very good tournament for Mexico. Yeah. Uh, at the expense of Japan, who finished in fourth, still a good showing for the host nation there in that tournament. And pretty good all around tournament on that side of things. Absolutely. And uh, with the women's Olympics, some more CONCACAF success, not the usual suspects, the U.S. women's national team so dominant, the four-time world champions, they had to sell for bronze, and the team that denied them gold got gold themselves by beating Sweden in a penalty shootout. Sweden sold for silver, and oh, Canada, the Canadian women's national team, they got a much-deserved, albeit a scrappy, gold medal they weren't necessarily the best team in a lot of their matches but they fought tooth and nail to get that gold and they got a gold for not just a great team overall but for a great player in christine sinclair that was great too i know i said great a lot in that last sentence 
Fourth place was Australia, who the U.S. women's national team, they uh, had to beat. Uh, it was 4-1 at one point with both Megan Rapino and Carly Lloyd getting a brace. Uh, but Australia made it interesting. They made it 4-3. Nonetheless, USA takes bronze. And that added to an impressive medal collection overall with USA just edging China on gold medals. And they finished with the most medals overall as well. So even though the USA found it harder in this Olympics than in some other Olympics past, they still, you know, had a very successful uh, tournament overall across all the events. And it was a fun summer to watch on the Olympic stage and with the football. Yeah, man. I mean, we're, we're going to talk about that. First with the Olympics, some some side. I'm just stoked to see skateboarding also making it into oh, an yeah, official exactly. Olympic sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I grew up watching skateboard, you know, watching skating videos. Um, oh yeah, yeah, with the four one one jam, all those video oh, games. Dude. Uh, Tony Hawk. <laughs> uh, I remember going to X Games here in San Francisco at the piers. Oh wow, uh, yeah. So like growing up and seeing how much like I remember. You know, when I first got my first skateboard in the 80s, you know, 89 or something too, you know, and I got it because we were kicking, my parents were, my dad was a security guard like at night at some mm-hmm. like, um, at some parking structure. So he kicked out the, cause they're like skateboarding illegally, kicked them out. And while they were <laughs> like trying to like scam, not to get like in trouble, somebody left their skateboard behind. So my dad was like, oh, here you go. And it was a Tommy it was a Tommy Guerrero uh, skateboard, which I still wish I, I had. Um, most likely I'm going to buy a replica of it because it, it's very sentimental to me. Um, but, yeah, just seeing that that sport grow and just the Olympics just grow and just getting, you know, becoming, you know, this this huge, huge event. Um, it's always awesome. So congrats to all, um, t- to everybody, um, athletes alike, and, of course, us for having a great summer with the Olympics, finally with the Olympics. Uh, shout out to my boy Carlos Justice or our boy Carlos Justice out there in Japan, yeah. also covering the Olympics. So Daniel Slater as well, she did a great job yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah! So super cool. Uh, man, Olympics. I mean, what can I say about you know Brazil taking it, Spain? You know, these are teams that I always expected. They're always the favorite on any tournament. When you have names like Brazil, Spain. Um, France, I believe, um, like these are always teams to be taken serious and they're always a heavy favorite. Um, so it's just seeing Mexico winning that bronze, like it meant so much. No, nothing to take away from Japan. Japan played an yeah. amazing um, tournament, beating Mexico in, in the, the group in stage. The stages. Yeah. yeah. So right on on that. And um, even though it kind of sucks, we didn't, took, we didn't play for the goal. Um, I, I did make a comment on Twitter saying like, you know what? I'm just stuck because they did play with heart and at the end of the day that's what we ask for just you know for them to play with heart and to put some you know some ump some huevos if you will uh behind and just winning or losing with dignity unlike the ones that played here in the united states again no disrespect to to those guys i I know the mexican national team are always heavily criticized both in mexico and in the united states for every little thing i believe achiacha said if we win, we get criticized. If we lose, we get criticized even more. So it's like, you know, you can't beat them with the press. And I agree with that. But, I, I, you know, it. this should be a wake-up call. Yes, you're allowed to lose, especially for the United States. They're the rivals, whatever, neighbors, that is what it is. It, it, you are allowed to lose. 
but you have to at least put up a good fight. And what and my take is when I go back and I see these games, there was still something missing. Something was something's not right there in the Mexican national team. Um, and unfortunately, uh, USA got the better the the better end of that um, of that package. But you know what? Good because hopefully this will help MLS expand and bring more um, bring more fans to the sport that we both love. And also, this kind of puts like a fire for Mexico. This this kind of yeah. it's a wake up call for Mexico, not just once but twice. Like, hey, dudes, what's up? You know, you you just lost versus the United States. You feel like you're like so far behind, but you know what? They, they almost lost to Canada too. Yeah. So this is a good wake up call for Mexico not to feel comfortable and keep on pushing, regardless if you feel like there's no competition here in Concacaf. You still need to you know step it up, and you know what? Maybe playing versus teams like you know, Panama or playing those lesser tier teams, you know, just to bring in money, maybe challenge yourself and play some South American teams, play some European teams. Um, so that's my take about the Mexican national team. I just hope this is a wake up call and they start producing when the, um, when the um, uh, world cup qualifiers begin in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And to their credit, I think Mexico also in their preparation for the tournament, they did schedule friendly against Nigeria, but for several reasons, like Nigeria wasn't able to send in players like Wilfred and Didi and those guys mm-hmm. to that friendly. So it wasn't actually the best uh, measure of their skills. Uh, it remains to be seen if Rogelio Funes Mori is that answer yeah. up top. It looked like it for a time, but after that final, that question remains. Um USA won this tournament with 19 of their 23 players uh, in their initial roster, at least, uh, based in MLS. So that does add depth. That does bring more attention to the league. And that does bring more attention from Europe. You already had Gianluca Busio. He's off to Venezia. Sam Vines, he got snapped up, I believe, by Royal Antwerp in Belgium. And I can only imagine players like Miles Robinson He's not going to be in Atlanta United much longer. So that's going to be good moves for them. I think Canada did emerge as well as the third best team in CONCACAF. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny you brought up uh, Funes Mori because I was, I think I tweeted this, that Funes Mori was one assist or one more goal away from me ordering uh, a jersey (laughs) with his name. I was this close, but then as I said it, I jinxed it. I'm like, oh, you know what? Thank God, because... Save the money. <laughs> yeah, my pockets were not ready for that. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, yes, I still feel Mexico is the strongest team when it comes to Concacaf, but USA is right behind them. And you know what? And you're right. Canada is the strong third. And you know what? This is exactly what we need here in North America. We need more competition. We need more. Uh, we need teams to be in the same level not just because there has to be a new king on a number one or anything, but this way it, it just pushes each other and makes us grow. And we're going to talk about this guy, but there's a reason why they always compare CR seven to some dude who wears number 10. Um, and they kind of just pushed each other to elevate each other. But that's, that's a topic we're going to get into in a minute. Yeah, that's a good transition. Uh, you may have heard about this, but if somehow this is the first time you heard this news, this might <laughs> blow your mind. 
Lionel Messi, uh, he decided to no longer be a Barcelona player for literally the first time pretty much in his life. <laughs> and uh, he's going to most likely, it's all but official, he's going to go to PSG. And mm-hmm. I don't even know where to begin with this. Like, this is just sums up Barcelona's meltdown, their financial structure, like just everything that they've done wrong has led to this yeah. moment. <laughs> I mean, so every time the, the conversation, the question is always who's better, uh, Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo. That's mm-hmm. always been the question. Yeah. I, I mean, to be fair, it is, it's not a fair question because they're two different players playing two different positions, playing two different key roles. Yeah. Um, another thing also um, that I feel is not fair is because why would you, why does it have to compare? Why can't you just enjoy both of them playing at the same time and seeing yeah, how? Why can't I like Kobe and LeBron? Why can't I like Peyton yeah. Manning and Tom Brady? Like, there's yeah. always a comparison, and Messi and Ronaldo can't escape that. But with that being said, I do, prefer, okay. <laughs> I do prefer CR7. I do prefer Cristiano Ooh. over Messi. Um, I just feel like Cristiano is more of a universal player where mm. Messi's just up on top. But with that being said, you give Messi the ball, you're screwed. But I feel like Cristiano, he's he's more everywhere. But yeah, it, it looks like he, um, Messi, me, the Messi Corporation in Barcelona couldn't reach an agreement. And we all seen videos of his devastating tearing of him saying that he's leaving Barcelona, um, saying how he even offered, he went as low as just asking for half of his salary in order to continue playing for Barcelona. And, and according to Messi, he didn't get no no answers back from Barcelona, so it's a shame. Again, I'm mm-hmm. not a Messi fan. I'm not a Met, you know. I'm not anything like that. But that's huge respect, just showing how much loyalty he has. And it's a shame what Barcelona did with him. But somebody's trash is somebody else's treasure. In this case, yeah. Um, if PSG picks him up, that's gonna be monumental and it looks it like it might be the best done. window ever uh they yeah. already added yeah Gianluigi Donnarumma, Jorginho Wijnaldum, Akraf Hakimi, um Lionel Messi potentially mm-hmm. and um you still got Neymar you still got Killer Navas you still have Di Maria you have all these war Sergio Ramos as well Sergio- that's who I was thinking about you, you have <laughs> all these names you know, who've gone and won, you know, gold medal in the world, who's gone and won the World Cup. They have won God Copa America titles, you know, God knows how many titles international and in and club and international level. So, I mean, don't be surprised. What's today? Monday, Monday the 9th. Don't be surprised if um, out of nowhere this weekend, all these uh, sports stores start wearing or you start seeing more PSG jerseys. And you start seeing more PSG jerseys on stock uh, around the stores. But with and that being that said, that PSG store in LA, it might have a few other locations in the United States very soon. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But if I can just say one more thing, I'm yes. not sure. I tweeted this on my Twitter, and anybody who follows me on Twitter might see this. Um, I saw this tweet. I, I posted this tweet. I posted this picture, actually. Apparently, there's two, because it's not the first time, but there's two diehard Messi fans who um who go to the Quakes game. And when I say Messi fans, they legit have their car wrapped around in the Barcelona jersey colors with the number 10 here and number 10 there. One license plate even says, you know, 
10 Barca. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not saying that, I mean, you have it, homie. You're adding uh, attention. So, what I want to know is if that's one of our listeners, if you can just tweet me, what are your plans? Like, what, <laughs> what are you going to do? I just want to know. Just What are you going to do with your car, bro? That's all I want to know. That's all I want to know. He's going to probably take off that license plate and be like, in Toy Story, so long, partner. So long, partner. It's going to be wrapped up in uh, PSG colors on Sunday or on Friday's game. Watch. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, that news just shell-shocks the world. Of course, you had the San Jose Earthquakes Twitter account joke about it saying, rip every team's mentions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and literally every team is in on this. This is really, like, a global, like, bombshell of the news because, like, everyone wants a little bit of piece of this, like, messy yeah. speculation. You have even teams from Ireland, a team called Bray Wanderers, I believe, where yeah. it's like, Fabricio, we told you not to spoil it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like, of course, like the Mexican media is having a field day. They're all like, oh, come to America. You know, you know, oh, you know basically have him go Chivas since Chivas loved the Argentinians. Like he's there. Mexicans love the Argentinians. Let's do this. But yeah, if yeah, they can convert Rogelio Funes Mori to Mexican, like who's we're who's done. Stopping? We're, yeah. we're there. We're there. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like, you know, it, they're synonymous, you know. Messi was synonymous with Barca. He was Barcelona. It's like imagine um uh Michael Jordan leaving the Bulls, like in the yeah. peak of his. I mean, Michael Jordan did leave the Bulls, but he retired quote unquote retired. If yeah. you don't know the story, watch Space Jam number one, that yeah. kind of explains it. <laughs> um, but imagine like like yeah, or Kobe Bryant, like Kobe leaving the Lakers and going, you know, somewhere else, you yeah. know in you know in his peak of his career rather than retiring so it's a it's a shame um it sucks for the fans um it's not a good look for the organization but it's exciting times for as a soccer as, as a new somewhat neutral soccer fan um it's pretty exciting because now i want to see the drama that unfolds because we all love drama yeah and there's certainly drama in this game against lafc uh we'll start Ooh. with their lineup uh bob bradley uh he went with a 5-3-2 in the last game, but in this game, it looked more like a 4-2-3-1. So we had Tomas Romero in goal, uh, another young Salvadorian who's been capped at the youth team and hopefully soon with the senior team. Uh, their back line consisted of Kim Moon Juan, Jesus Murillo, Tristan Blackman, and Diego Palacios. Their uh, center mid partnership was between Eduard Atuesta and Francisco Hinella. And then their wingers were uh, Brian Rodriguez and Jose Cifuentes. Carlos Vela, he kind of floated around that number 10 role, but sometimes he played as a winger. And then up top, instead of Diego Rossi, they signed, they uh, started Christian Arango. And Diego Rossi did eventually appear off the bench, along with Latif Blessing, Mamadou Fall, uh, Raheem Edwards, and Danny Muzovsky. Their previous result was a 4-1 loss to Sporting Kansas City. I sense a pattern. We beat yeah. Seattle after Sporting Kansas City beat them. And yeah. then Sporting Kansas City beat LAC, then we beat them. So as much as Daniel Saloy doesn't seem to be our biggest fan right now, uh, they've g- given us a bit of a blueprint to work on. So thanks, Sporting yep. Kansas City. Thank you. We'll take but, it. Of course, Sporting Kansas City did beat them a bit more embarrassingly. It was a 4-1 loss. It was four unanswered goals to open the game. They got consolation goal through Mazowski to make it 4-1. Uh, 
the change from that game uh, shuffled the defense a bit. Diego Palacios played a bit more of a center back in that game. He used Raheem Edwards as a left wing back. And uh, Murillo took uh, Farfan's place in defense. And, of course, the aforementioned uh, choosing Arango instead of Rossi. And they're missing a couple defenders. This is where they were most vulnerable. Mahala Opoku with the left knee. And more importantly, I think, uh, Eddie Segura, he's that rock for them in defense, usually uh, right knee. They were both out for this game. So what did you make of this LAFC uh, team? I mean, it's obvious that those players are a huge factor in the back and anchor because if all the plays that Quakes were doing were through balls, you know, yeah. it was just through balls. And they, that's how they were attacking it. So they studied, they knew exactly how to get them and they knew exactly how to beat, how to beat um, LAFC. Um, uh-huh. it's, yes, we, we did talk about this earlier. This LAFC is not the LAFC, you know, quote unquote. But I mean, you still have huge names there in the field. Yeah. Names who carry these teams. Um, just because he's an easy target, but obviously Bella is the key point on, on that attacking um, force that LAFC is. And you just saw him not connecting with that left foot. Uh, mm-hmm. Every shot he tried making, it wasn't weak enough. It was straight to JT or it was hitting the ultras in the, or hitting the bar um, uh, across. So it, it LAFC definitely needs a, a nice little break to go back to drawing board and redo what they have to do. But you know what? That's on them. I cannot complain because this looks good for the Quakes. And again, it gives us confidence and this confidence that we definitely need right now. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to my friends, uh, Kevin Castro and David Alcaraz there in my uh, group chat. We talk about all sorts of games and they're LAFC fans. For once, the shoe is on the other foot because they've yeah. let me have it in some of the one-sided uh, losses they've inflicted on the Quakes uh, in recent memory. Uh, there were good sports about this one. Uh, yeah. They were um, a bit surprised that Carlos Vela didn't have a typical game. He's usually had – he's not – like last season and I believe the season before as well, he was mm-hmm. like – Robert Lewandowski in fancy Bundesliga. If you didn't have him on your fancy MLS team, what the heck were you doing? Like, yeah. He was just automatic goals and assists left, right. And he hasn't quite been in that same vein of form, particularly because, you know, he had some injuries to start with as well. But, you know, something is definitely not right with this LAFC team. And much like Tata Martino with Mexico, Bob Bradley is on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, you bring in a big name like Bob Bradley. You bring in, especially on those big teams, a a team that has this huge following and you have like these one, like this huge profile um, owners. Of course, you're under the microscope, especially when you came off and you went on to win the, the Community Shield the first year you're an actual team like that is impressive and is amazing and we always talked about how la supporter shield actually yeah the sports yeah, yeah. i'm sorry yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the community shields no that's another congrats to lester on winning the community yes. shield <laughs> yes <laughs> um and who they beat over i'm just playing Manchester- I, got, <laughs> I know i just got some i just got i just got heat a little bit yeah um, 
I'm a Manchester also, United fan, so I appreciate that shade. Hey, you're welcome. I'm also side note. I'm I'm a West Ham fan, so oh, anytime okay. like Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, anybody from there is losing, I'm always like to give uh, talk a little smack in your Twitter. face, Crystal Palace. No, I'm yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, take that. Um, all right, but, but back to LFC. Yeah, no, is is a team that's super like you know under the radar, and they're in line to be the poster style for mls and yeah. they and, and i mean they basically are with this um with this quote-unquote all-star game going on at the end of the month you know being played in la being played at, at uh, bank of uh california stadium yeah yeah um so it, it is going to be you know supposed to child and for the poster child of mls and the potential that mls has and for them not qualifying is very scary especially since mls is trying to become a a a world power and mm-hmm. world renowned and try and get most exposure. There's a reason why there's going to be this LA. Uh, I'm sorry, this Liga MX versus MLS All Star um, combination. All eyes are going to be on on this game by the end of this month, and it's very smart. It's going to happen just a few days before the closure of the uh, transfer window. Window because I mean, you let any last minute when uh, transfers can happen during that time. So. Mm-hmm um it's 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 not a good look for lafc but don't count them out yet don't count them out there's still we still have a lot of soccer to play in mls yeah and i won't count them out based on this one game but it was still a nice win and the the starting lineup that helped get that underway uh these first four names you can pretty much write them in sharpie at this point jt marston casting gold back three of nathan osvaldo alanis tanner beeson and then Abacassis and Salinas, your wingbacks. Yeah, Jutsen and Yule in there in midfield. And your front three of Espinosa, Chofis, and Cowell. For at time, you could potentially uh, write them in Sharpie as well. But thanks to this new guy, Jeremy Abobisa, he was on the bench today. That might not be the case for too much longer. Yeah, also coming off the bench, we have Paul Marie, Eric Remedy, who was coming back from an injury, Carlos mm-hmm. Fierro, and Chris Wanolowski. And the changes from the 1-1 draw at Portland Timbers in Providence Park, uh, the main change, of course, was also the departure of Florian Youngworth. He started alongside Jutsen in that game. Now we have Jackson Yule back from international duty, so he's going to be there likely for the remainder of the season as long as he's available. And with Obobisek coming from Portland and Flo going to the Whitecaps, Cascadia giveth, Cascadia taketh away. That's just the way mm-hmm. it goes. Uh, yeah. So now Benji Kikanovich with the right thigh out. So that would be another factor to consider in this. Now we have so much depth in the attacking positions. Yeah. And and you and you saw how much depth it is. And you saw how much um, this affects the Quakes because you, you saw the team playing with so much confidence, especially the, the top three. Where in the earlier, you know, month ago, I was basically screaming at any, you know, or cowl or, you know, um, uh, trophies or even like um, um, Espinosa to take a shot um, rather than pass it. You saw this going on now. You and what I'm loving about this, and you saw this in the within the first, you know, seven minutes or ten minutes, was that Jackson Yule cross um crossbar hit where everybody thought Chofis was going to take it was going to try to take a shot on that left foot 
but instead he passes it back to wide open Jackson Yule. And you're seeing this team playing as a team. And you can never, no amount of money can ever fix that. If the team has chemistry and they're playing like a team, they're a force to be reckoned with, regardless if you have high-end players or not. And that's exactly what the Quakes are doing right now. And that's something that Almeida has always been good. It's creating great chemistry in that locker, or at least what appears to be great chemistry in the locker and in the field, and just playing for the jersey. And I, and I love that. And it's great times to be a Quakes fan once again. So if you're anything like me, Dan, which based on our conversations, you definitely are. You follow anywhere from five to seven leagues with some level of regularity. Yeah, yeah. But so some great players will slip through the cracks. So I want to ask you, uh, did you watch a lot of uh, Jeremy Abobese when he was a Portland Timbers player? I, I did not. I, I'm not going to lie. I did not. I was kind of like, who the hell's this guy at first? Because when it comes to MLS, my, my bread and butter is usually just Liga MX. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, Quakes, whenever, um, you know, Quakes. And that's about it. I, I, I truly don't make an effort, just full disclosure. I don't make it like an effort to go see how's, you know, you know. And probably your next yeah. tier of knowledge would be like U.S. men's national team players, Mexican yeah. players, other exactly. Latino players, like maybe Joseph Martinez in Atlanta United. So, yeah. Um, the Argentinians definitely, and mm-hmm. um, the Peruvians, the Chileans, are yeah. playing over here. So that's pretty much my level, but it's not like in depth with this other team. So for me, right. at first, I was like, "Man, who the hell's this guy we just got, and mm-hmm. why?" And then after seeing Sunday game, after seeing him play, I'm like, "Okay, I know exactly who this guy is, and I can see why we need him." And dude, he is a beast. I am stoked that we got him. It, I, I'm not sure if it's just the team. Or if it was him, but he made the Quakes look so much better. Yeah, Jeremy Bobise, he's one of those American players where he is was very MLS good, but for whatever reason, he didn't get too many opportunities in the national team yet. And maybe that'll mm. change uh, in the future. He's still yeah. pretty young, but he's a very versatile player. He can play as a striker. He can play on either wing. And with a... T- Portland Timbers, they've the way that they've built their roster, whether it be under Caleb Porter or under Giovanni Savarese, they've always had depth in attacking options, the likes of which until recently with the San Jose Earthquakes, we rarely have had. Yeah. And so that versatility, that ability to play with a Diego Valeri, a Sebastian Blanco, a Darren Aspria, the Chara brothers, whatever combination of those players. Uh, that made him a better player, and he's been able to contribute to Portland Timbers' success in recent years. Mm-hmm. So it brought me a lot of joy when I had a chance to speak with him in the press conference uh, that his initial reaction coming, uh, whether it was a 10-hour drive, most likely not, maybe a two-hour flight from Portland to San Jose, yeah. that he was welcomed by fans and players with open arms. Uh, he's To paraphrase his quote, he said, we all speak different languages, but in soccer, we speak the language of the sport and we were able to get on a bright start from day one. And that was a good reaction to have from a new signing, particularly, you know, from one MLS team to another, because I imagine Portland Timbers, they have a great camaraderie there as well. Uh, Perhaps Atlanta United, uh, the situation got a little murky after the exodus, but by the time remedy, went from Atlanta United to the Quakes, there's probably still some semblance of good spirit there as well. Yeah. So 
it does make us feel proud as fans to know that these players who have played in other teams, they've played against the San Jose Earthquakes, that they hold the San Jose Earthquakes in such high regard that yeah. they are looking forward to playing with us. And when you see big player after big player after big player go to Miami, go to LA, go to New York, go to Seattle, go to Atlanta, you maybe start to think uh, maybe players don't want to play with San Jose Earthquakes, but the players that do come in, they seem to enjoy being a part of this family. Well, one thing you also need to take into consideration is us as a fan. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, we're a little bit in the media, but that's but overall we are fans and we uh, absolutely, only, yeah, and we only see like in the field. That's the yeah. only thing we see. We see in the field and the little excerpts they put here and there on the internet. Of course, you know that now that we're press, we have more access to a little bit more information, but it's very limited. It's very, it's very quote unquote censored, if you will. Yeah, what they tell us and give us. Yeah, but players talk among each other. Players talk about what going what goes on in that locker room, how these players really are. You know what kind of chemistry there is and what kind of vibe it is. So if from it looks like everything's all you know biscuits and gravies as far as um quakes goes. So I'm pretty sure with a with a with a team like that, other teams see and they're like, you know what, I wouldn't mind playing for those guys. Yeah, you know, there there's no. You know, the, the jersey doesn't weight so heavy on these players. You know, there's no pressure of, like, automatically performing right away. MLS um, cup or bust. Yeah, exactly. And there's kind of the quakes. Yes, there is a sense of urgency, but it's almost a little bit more relaxed because we don't. I mean, I, I said this before and I still say it again. Our biggest player, our biggest superstar and for the quakes is our coach. You yeah, know, that's the biggest. That's the biggest. Right. Player. So I mean, we're playing for the coach, and that's what any team wants to do. You want to play for the coach, and I think that's what brings like some sort of excitement um, into the Quakes. So yes, we only see the results. We only see what happens as fans, but we don't know what's going on in the locker. We don't know what happens when they go on their retreats and stuff like that. Um, I mean, yeah, you kind of see it a little bit, you know, when these players share like their Snapchat or share like their Instagram stories yeah. and stuff like that. But I mean, to have a player coming from a from a different team, MLS, right, uh, from the same conference, you know, constantly yeah. playing, and then they come in and they're like, "Dude, this is awesome!" I was instantly greeted, and you hear and you heard the crowd go crazy as he took the the pitch, you know. So it's a great feeling as a player just to have that sense of belonging and having that transition a little bit smoother. And you can, I mean, we can. Yes, he did some passes a little bit later. There was some miscommunications with like Cowell and mm -hmm. you know everybody, but you know what, dude? It happens. <laughs> he only practiced for like a day and a half, maybe yeah. two days tops. <laughs> and you, you know, get, you you can't explain, expect this guy to be thrown in and be like BFFs with somebody, you know, that you probably wanted to punch on Wednesday's game. You know, <laughs> like you can't explain, you can't exp you can't expect that right away. But this is a if if that's just a hint of what's to come. Earthquakes just got way more, way better. And now we're going to answer this question later on. But I'll be afraid if you're in the Western Conference with Earthquakes and how they might finish this, this season. We'll go over some of the stats, too. Uh, so a few of these surprised me. LAFC led 16 to 15 in total shots. They had six shots on target to the Quakes four. They had 52% of the possession. Passing accuracy was pretty even, but even that was a slight edge to them, 80 to 79%. Three to two in chances created for them. 
Quakes uh, had six corners to their three. LAFC fouled us two more times, and we did to them, 14 to 12. Uh, Quakes had the one offside to their zero, and both teams had two uh, yellow cards. Mario picked one up in the 10th minute and Rossi in the 78th minute for LAFC. Cowell and Ebobise got their yellow cards. Cowell in the 39th minute and Ebobise at the 76th minute. So LAFC, they did have their moments, particularly in the second half, where you're just uh, biting your fingernails thinking, okay, the equalizer is coming. We've seen this movie several times this season where, yeah, we scored early. We have a lead. We fight valiantly, but something happens. If yeah. not like a perfect counterattack, a contentious refereeing decision, comical own goal, um, a drone puts the ball in the back of the net. Uh, some other reason, like it usually went that way, but we held on. We got a two-one win. Uh, what do you think uh, stood out to you in this game, uh, particularly in the first half? I mean, it's funny because we were texting each other while this game's going on, and yeah, and, and you're like, "Oh man, I don't know they're going to be able to hold him." Like, yeah, you're right. We need this third goal. Like, we yeah, need this, we usually need, that's the case. <laughs> yeah, we needed this third goal just to like, just to like solidify the win. And yeah, we, we heard the scenario hundreds of times, and, and I said this millions of times, well, not millions, but I said this many, many times. 2 0 is the most deceiving lead ever. Right. Dos, I said, I'm going to say this in Spanish for my Spanish speaking friends out here. Yeah. El 2 0 es traicionero. The 2 0 <laughs> is, is, is very treacherous because, yeah, how many teams have gone, you know, to halftime with a 2 0 lead, and the next thing you know, it, they, they lose you, you know, 3 2. It's the most deceiving um, scoreline. So that's just why I was like, fudge. Especially like that own goal coming in in like the 40th minute or 40-something minute. Yeah. I, I was like, fudge, here we go. I'm like, here mm-hmm. we go. Just, I'm going to just stop the half already. It also hurt because it was Jackson Yule of all players to score that own goal. Uh, yeah. He's taken a lot of heat for the, his performances with the U.S. men's national team. And his saving grace was that, hey, he's one of the most important players for the San Jose Earthquakes. He's crucial for what Almeida wants his midfield to do, how they, yeah. he wants them to operate. You'll rarely puts a foot wrong. He's usually one of our better players, but unfortunately like his bad luck, his bad season, it continued with this uh, own goal. And prior to that, he hit the crossbar too. Imagine yeah. if that went like three inches under the crossbar, he needed that goal. And unfortunately his name ends up on the score sheet for all the wrong reasons. And you know it is what it is, it, but you know these these players are professionals, and of course, like that kind of media, that kind of press is going to get to them. But you know, it's how you shake them off. Yeah, he might have had a, a a horrible night with the own goal, but you know what? Let's look at the positive. The Quakes still got the three points, and he still yeah. looked good out there. And you Part know what? Of, yeah. And I was gonna say, and you can criticize this man and. By all means, I'm not a United States man national team soccer fan. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, not. Yeah, hate him. Um, <laughs> uh, including Alexi Lalas, which you still owe me a beer, Alexi. Don't don't you think I forgot you and me, San Jose? We're gonna have beers. PG, of course, we're gonna keep it PG. But that's besides <laughs> the point. Of course, you're not good. You play more with your club. You know, Jackson Yule has been playing with with Quakes what three or four years already. Yeah. You know, so you have that chemistry. You have a better understanding. You cannot just like instantly put some team 
a, a player for two weeks, you know, in the training camp and expect him to be performing great. And it's in a completely different system. It took Almeida, what, three, four years also to get to his level now where he wants his team and he's still tweaking the system he wants. So kind of harsh on Jackson Yule. Maybe that's just me being biased because he happens to wear the captain band for the team I, I root and have season tickets for. So I might be a little bit biased, but at the end of the day, you have to look at the positives. You cannot focus on the negatives. And and this is one of the That's situations. That's kind of what we do that. sometimes, but we try not. <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, it's so hard to, like, look at the negatives only. But, you know, you have to be hopeful because if not you Not negatives hope, only, but in the sense that, like, this is a podcast. Like, we do have to cover these games. And yeah. if the, an own goal does happen, like, we do have to address it. And we do yeah. have to, you know, understand how it might influence a player. And... I'm not totally worried for Jackson Newell because yeah. I know he has a good attitude. He yeah. reminds me, and not just because of the blonde hair or similar hair color, he reminds me of Tommy Thompson. He had a poor stretch of form last season yeah. too when he was playing more regularly. And a lot of people question what he's doing in this lineup. That's not necessarily the case with Jackson Newell for Quakes yeah. fans, but he still faced the media. He was like, you know what? Like, I just want to help this team succeed. And I'm optimistic about my abilities to help this team. I'm optimistic about my team's abilities to pick up my slack. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't say in those exact words, but you know, he's that, that kind of player. Tone. And yeah. Jackson Ewell, he adopts a similar level of belief that, you know, if Jackson Ewell does stick around, like he could definitely be a future captain once Chris Wanolowski retires. Absolutely. Once once Shay Salinas and Chris step out, you know, that's your number one um choice right there that's a good point about salinas because there's still no retirement talks from him like salinas he's so versatile and he's such in good shape like he's got a couple years left maybe (laughs) yeah and i mean he is the mls um leading assistant you know oh yeah he's the quakes leading assistant i knew that but that's pretty cool too yeah yeah um but going back to original question about like from the stats in, in the game that stood out. I mean, I, I, I said, I talked to you, what, about a month or two months ago, right yeah. before the LAFC, um, the L, about a month ago versus LA, was, uh, LA Galaxy game. At Galaxy, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I told you, if it wasn't for the small little mistakes that Quakes have been doing, we'll yeah. be in the top, you know, we'll be playoff contenders up there. But it's just these minor You're effects right. that we do. And I mean, these stats kind of. Tanner Beeson ended up being okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and this is the, with these stats, it shows you, yeah, quicks are contenders, man. I mean, uh, shots on target, they only had two above us. Shots in, in general, one, you know, possession 42, I'm um, um, sorry, 52 to 48. We're right there with any top team. Um, and that's one thing we have to we 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 have to address the mistakes that Quakes are doing. We have to acknowledge that and we have to tweak it. But this is kind of numbers that gives us hope. And this is the type of results that us, us as a fan and as podcasters and, you know, going back there, we have to keep on relying and say, OK, this team is more than those mistakes. And that's, I think, you know, going back to your Jackson Ewell, um, um, you know, my point. Oh, peace over here talking. Yeah. yeah, your point is this team and these players are more than just the results. 
and yeah. you know we have to you have to dig in if you're just going to be superficial and look at the at the scoreline of course that paints a different story but once you go into detail when you start to dissect dissecting the team one by one you're like you know what there's potential in this and there's a reason why Almeida is still in this team there's a reason why earthquakes are still uh you're it's never going to be an easy game against the quakes in my personal opinion yeah and i think you unfortunately he has to deal with the stigma that because he He's he's older than KCAL and he's only playing MLS. People start to panic and think he might have a U.S. men's national team career akin to Chris Wondolowski, where the negatives are what people remember with yeah. him in a U.S. men's national team shirt yeah. over the positives. And I'm sure that won't be the case, whether he gets to play maybe 30 more times with USA or maybe three more times. I'm sure he'll be yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, KCAL, thankfully, like, People who are not Quakes fans, they are begging for Kate Cal to play more for the U.S. national team. So yeah. that's a great thing. <laughs> yeah. What's well, exciting for 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 Kate Cal? Because I mean, he's a teenager. He's still in freaking high school and playing pro. Getting he's the buzzword from everybody. So of course, it's good times. Um, that that always brings up um concerns and you know just like a buzz of having him play for any team. But you know what? He's he's still young, and that's something we still need to acknowledge. He's still young. He still makes those mistakes. He's still, you know, he's still coachable. Hopefully, and yeah. you know, if we if he gets to play for one more year with the Quakes or two more years or his rest of his career with the Quakes, cool. If not, I mean, we can only hope for him to keep on growing and have that growth mindset. And I hope I don't know the the gentleman. Uh, personally haven't talked to him but from i've seen with his comments and stuff it looks like he's pretty grounded and he has that growth mindset which will only look good for the quakes right so we do have to keep moving with this first half uh the opening goal came from christian espinoza i didn't know what happened initially all i knew is that he authored the free kick it ended up in that melee of players both yeah. lafc and quakes and then boom it's in the back of the net Cool. I at that point I didn't care I'll who scored it. it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Nathan ended up being the goal scorer for it. I thought it was a header. Uh, it ended up being a uh, poke with his uh, cleat, little toe or something. Yeah. And that's all right. And then in true Nathan fashion, he all made an equally impressive contribution on the defensive side of things. It looked like Carlos Vela. He scores those ninety nine times out of hundred. But mm-hmm. Nathan got in the way. He got him off balance. He got in the way of the ball hitting, you know, JT Marcinkowski. The result, an easy catch for Marcinkowski or an easy yeah. gather. And Nathan celebrated that as well as he celebrated his goal. So that was good from Nathan. Uh, not so good was his shot that made, was well uh, high of the crossbar, but he, he did enough over the course of 90 minutes that you can almost forgive that. No, and and I think you um you said this we need to of course you go and celebrate the goals regardless yeah. how they come in but you have to celebrate those those you know those major stops because essentially it's almost the, as good as a goal it, it, exactly and we saw this early in the year with Alanis clearing it at the goal line we saw Flo also stopping at the goal line and celebrating like it was a goal that just pumps you up and you know what it. And you see JT with playing with more confidence every day as a goalkeeper. Him having trust, like if I screw up, my back 
Eklund has my back. And, and you see this going on. And, dude, with the with the addition of Nathan and that back line, Quake's defense is, like, a 1,000% better. Like, yeah. so solid now. It, it was, for me, this game, this first half, particularly, it was a completely new Quake's where everything was possible. It was back, it was, again, last year in Orlando, playing at 10 o'clock at night. You know, it was those quakes where it was like anything's possible. A bunch of like goonies, if you will. A bunch of nobodies are like making a ruckus. And I love it. Yep. And the second goal for the quakes, uh, Espinosa was able to set up uh, trophies. It was a simple finish in the end, but you had to be there to make it happen. Dos a cero. And then we also got uh, earlier than anyone expected. Jeremy Abobise made his quakes debut for Luciano Abacassi's. The stadium went wild for him. It was a great introduction for the new mm-hmm. player. Uh, we learned later that Abacassi's picked up a little bit of a knock. So that also explained why, particularly with Kid Cal receiving a yellow, the, he made that early substitution, Almeida, to bring in Paul Marie to mm-hmm. balance out the team again. So you put in the attacking Abobise for the defensor, defender Abacassi's, and then Pomery, the fullback, he came in for Kate Cowell. So that rebalanced the squad a bit. Sometimes Kate Cowell may be in a little bit of a tight leash, but in this case, like you do understand the substitution. And you're also yeah. saving Kate Cowell for uh, these upcoming games that he'll need to be a little bit rested for. You'd like to use him for both the Whitecaps and the Minnesota United yeah. games coming up. So uh, we spoke about the own goal from Jackson Ewell and that wrapped things up to make things two to one. Yeah. And overall, it was a great first half. It was the first half that in the balance of play from the whole 90 minutes, the Quakes did enough in that first half that they deserved the win they eventually got. But it was far from guaranteed. Yeah. No, and like I said, that third goal, we were the whole stadium needed knew that we needed that third goal. You know, the whole stadium needed it, and we wanted it, and, the you know, it was there. But luckily, we were able to pull off or or contain um, LAFC, and especially that amount of pressure they put in the first 15, 20 minutes of the start of the second half. Um, yeah, a twisted so, free kick. They brought mm-hmm. in Latif Blessing and Diego Rossi from the bench. So mm-hmm. that was an insta-boost for them. So, like, they were going to have something to say about – how this game would end up and they had their opportunities to uh, equalize, leave San Jose with a point. And it was great result from the quakes to uh, hold on to this lead. Yeah. And unfortunately to tell is, I know it sounds like a cop out and sounds like a broken record, but again, quakes that second half is the tell of missed opportunities, creating so many opportunities, but not being able to finish for one reason or the other. But, Luckily, this time it didn't come around and bite us in the end. We ended up holding on to those three points and a much-needed three points because I believe they, the comment was this the first win at home since, like, May or something. So, yeah, that was, you know, a stat that I hope we don't see again for a while. Hopefully not, yeah. Yeah, but we're, we're able to hold on there. There were seven minutes of stoppage time at the end of the game. Insane. Felt like a little too much. <laughs> yeah. Um. Carlos Fierro had a free kick opportunity. It failed to clear the wall. Uh, Vela had another good opportunity just before then. Uh, and then things started to get a little bit heated. Um, Raheem Edwards in particular, I don't know why he got so mad. I mean, 
thankfully there was no more illusions about friendly Canadians when Canada played <laughs> yeah. Mexico. There was some fights in that game too. Yeah. Raheem Edwards wasn't even in that Canada squad, but he had that same energy. He was shouting good job or like he was mouthing it anyway, yeah. sarcastically clapping. Uh, it was directed towards the quakes. It was directed toward the referees, like quakes got in between LAFC and the referees. Uh, it was a wild end to the game, and but Quakes did what they had to do. Three points in the bag. Um, you'll love to see it. Yeah, and and that's only a confident booze leading up um, versus what was it? Vancouver it was first. Vancouver, yeah. yeah, Whitecaps first, which again should be a walk for the park for Quakes. Mm. But again, this is the Quakes. It is soccer. Anything and this is happen. MLS. Yeah, it is, yeah, it is MLS. <laughs> It's chaotic like that. But again, if in these last two weeks, if we can just pick up more points and not drop any points, it'll be a great stretch for the Quakes. And hopefully we'll start September in a Quakes being the hot team leading up to the playoffs, um, which is something you always love to see. Yep. Uh, Brian Anchetta Abawag, uh, who is the admin of the Quakes Facebook group, he does a great job fostering that community there. He mentioned something very important. So since Remedy didn't get a yellow card uh, in this game, he gets one yellow card removed from his record. So he's not in danger of a next yellow suspension going to this next match, which is really Mm -hmm. good. I think he may start one of those two games, uh, either against Vancouver or Minnesota, because it's five game, five days from Sunday to Friday when they play Vancouver, and then four games from that to play Minnesota. Yeah, so that's gonna be helpful. It's insane. Yeah, it's insane. You know what else um, is insane? Quakes is currently it? have the longest unbeaten streak in MLS. Now that not sporting is Kansas City, not New England yeah. Revolution, not Philadelphia, not whoever else. That is unbelievable. <laughs> I, I saw that note here in, in our notes, and I'm like, wow, really? Like, how come? <laughs> yes, no one really. Is... <laughs> I, I Everyone's mean, I, beating each other up. <laughs> I mean, everybody's talking about, oh, 1 1, 1 1. And I've seen the memes where they like, they replaced versus Quake and just put 1 1. But you know what? I'll take one point better than no points any day. And look where we are now, baby. Look where we are. Yeah, but the way those draws feel better, like gun mixing some wins in there, that yeah, feels yeah. a little bit better. If it's draws and losses, then it's a winless run. Yeah. yeah, a winless run is not sexy. So I'll no, take it, it. it. It just depends how you want to like twist your information. Right. It's, it's so we got a tough decision yeah. here for player of the match. Uh, both of them made MLS team of the week. Christian Espinoza and Nathan, uh, they were by far the most voted options in our Twitter poll. Mm-hmm. Uh, who would you pick for man for player of the match? I'll give it to Nathan, actually. Nathan, Nathan, because I you said it, you said it, and I think I one hundred percent agree with you. Blocking the goal, uh, blocking the goal, or preventing the goal is just like scoring one. And if if that's the case, if you if you use that into consideration, now you have him scoring. Um, scoring two goals, you know, rather yeah. than just one, a one, one way or the other, and you can tell how important he has become for the for the Quakes back line, um, and just how much confidence he's Absolutely. boosting around his team. And a leader is only as good as your um as those who you lead. 
So I feel like he's his influence his influence is kind of dreading all over the team. You've seen how he's blending in already. He's high fiving, he's hugging everybody um, in the back line. So I give it to him, but not to take anything away from Christian Espinosa because he did and he is playing magnificent right now and contributing tremendously with those two assists in this uh, assistant assist in this past game on Sunday. So you would be in agreement with the results of that Twitter poll. Nathan won 52% of the vote. He mm. is the audience's pl- player of the match. Christian Espinosa had 41%. I'm going to agree with the 41% because I think Christian Espinosa, his first half, his 90 minutes, it was like when we first signed him and he was a game changer then and he's a game changer now. Yeah. And I think – you know, I'm not trying to focus on the negative, but Nathan should have scored a second. So I had mm-hmm. to factor that into consideration. But yeah. you could go either way with those two. Both played Absolutely. phenomenally for the most part. Absolutely. Uh, so I was going to ask you if you play fancy MLS, but now I know the answer is probably not, right? No, I do not play fancy. Next MLS. season, you'll have to join our league, though. <laughs> you know, I'm down. I'm yeah. down. I'm a, I'm it's, a, worth a, yeah, it's worth a shot. Even if you fill up your team with all... Mexican internationals and Quakes players and all that. No, you know, um, for those who don't listen to the L3 podcast or anything, you will learn that we're gambling people. We (laughs) love to gamble one way or the other. And uh, our thing is always when we do our pickums for the for the week. And uh, we love that people love to hear what we have to say. So we love to gamble. So if it involves winning, Mm -hmm. I'm down. Yeah, I'm in. Does does Liga MX have a fantasy league? They do. I believe they do have a fantasy league. I definitely seen them in different um, mm-hmm. non-betting websites. Yeah. That way. Um, I definitely seen it there. Um, and then we do something called the Esquinetas or the Pickums, uh, where we say what, you know, what's the result going to be, how many goals and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, similar then, to the MLS pick six. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, if you're the one the closest, you get like whatever jackpot, whether it was, was that and the L3 podcast, I must say, have won several times. Um, oh, okay. That pick them. So we, we, we sometimes know what they're paying your bills. <laughs> Not paying the bills, but definitely paying for like, for like some horchatas and a burrito. Oh, there sure. you go. Okay. There we go. Okay. We'll, we'll take that any day. Well, mistakes. Okay, fair enough. That's all in good fun. So Absolutely. we're going to briefly update our fantasy league. It's a currently three-way tie for first. These teams are all 13 wins and two losses. Terry's Soccer Gods, Emil Kirov's St. Wando, and my Martinez Manta Rays, an homage from my uh, hometown Martinez, so you know, Danny. Yeah, um, Martinez. If you're still wondering what Quakes player can I trust to have on my fantasy team, Unfortunately, we're not getting the clean sheets, so JT Marcinkowski is not quite your best choice. Uh, Christian Espinoza, I think our attack is going to be very varied in our goal contributions. I think Nathan's the move. If you need a defender and you have uh, $8.9 million to spare in your budget, Nathan could be worthwhile. He's averaging, I think, 7.8 points per game, so that's really good. So that's definitely going to be my game plan going forward especially on this bye week for the Philadelphia Union. I don't have Kai Wagner, so I'm definitely going to rely on Nathan. And a brief shout-out to Fallas Faultliners. Of all the Quakes players, Quakes fans in MLS Fantasy this season, you're 11th out of those Quakes fans. So you're the highest out of all the people I've recognized with 1,267 fantasy points. 
Thanks for giving the rest of us in the time takes community a chance by not being in our league this season, but <laughs> you're welcome to join us next time uh, for in 2022. Uh, any MLS results from week 18 stand out for you, Danny? You know, the, the one side I look at is what, you know, the ones that are going to be Quake's um, opponents. opponents upcoming, which of course is Minnesota on a week from tomorrow, Tuesday. They beat the Dynamo 2-0. And that's awesome because Dynamo's also in our in our conference, and I believe yeah. do we tie versus them or we are currently tied with uh, Dallas and the Whitecaps. Oh, okay, no, okay, uh, yeah. Dallas and Real Salt Lake with twenty one okay. points. Whitecaps and- are near the bottom with Austin. Yeah, and that's the other one I saw also with Vancouver. They and what's tied going on. LA Galaxy, so good yeah. for them. Yeah, where to go? Maybe our our boy Flo is the one who uh, influenced that 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 one one which i highly doubt it but they also were close to tying galaxy in an earlier game they had like a stoppage time equalizer but then galaxy scored again in stoppage time yeah. to steal the win dude I, that's that's one stadium i wanted to visit I, last time i was in vancouver bc was, place yeah there was basically there was a game going on we just couldn't we didn't have time to go because we had we were restricted in time, but definitely is one of the places I want to go back and experience a the game there because their stadium in that city is just magnificent. But yeah, those are the two like that stood up to me because that lets us know or lets me know how Quakes are might be playing them um this week. It is a little bit out of a week since there is basically like two back to back games happening in the span of like three or four days. And briefly going over the standings here in MLS as of uh, August 9th. So the top three in the West are kind of in their own tier. You have Sporting Kansas City, Seattle Sounders, and LA Galaxy, only two points between those three clubs. Then fourth and fifth, you have Colorado with 28 and Minnesota with 26. So we can make up some ground against Minnesota United, somehow beat them. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, And then rounding out the playoff spots, Portland Timbers and LAFC, each with 23 points, only two points ahead of the aforementioned trio of Quakes, RSL, FC Dallas. And then rounding out the conference, you have Dynamo, Austin, and Vancouver Whitecaps. But they are – Whitecaps are at the bottom of the conference. There's only five points between us, so we have to take that game seriously and get three points. Um, Eastern Conference, uh, New England Revolution, they have a 10-point lead in first place over second place Orlando. And then it gets a little bit murkier uh, with the rest of the playoff spots. New York City, Union, Nashville, D.C. United, and the crew, all within four points of each other, third through seventh. And then the team that's next closest to them in the playoff race is eighth place, Montreal, with 23 points. Then there's a bit of a gap between them and ninth place, New York Red Bulls. And then the likes of Inter-Miami, Atlanta United, and Toronto are going to try to recover from their slow starts this season. Right. No, and and yeah, these these upcoming games are going to be good, especially the one versus Manchester. I'm sorry, not Manchester. Sorry, <laughs> versus Minnesota United. Um, I feel like we always they always leave a bad taste in our mouth one way or yeah. the other, especially for this past two or three seasons. So, just if we can sneak, if we can sneak one or two points or one or three points away from them, that'll be amazing. And also, that's for me. That's going to be a good matchup to watch. Because Minnesota and, and the Quakes, in my perspective, I feel like they have very similar game plan. The man-to-man marking, super 
um, high pressure attacking gameplay. So it's very similar to Quake. So it's always great to see like two teams playing the same tactic go against each other. All right. So we do have some live upcoming games coming on, not just in MLS. And thankfully, Danny is here to give us a little bit of a scouting report on the Liga MX teams that are coming up against MLS clubs, both in the League's Cup and CONCACAF Champions League. Mm -hmm. So uh, we don't have a whole lot of time. So um, since we are a bit like an hour plus into the podcast, so let's see. How do we want to do this? Um, So I'll name the fixture. Mm -hmm. Give me a brief, like, you know, you know, one to two sentences on how each of the Mexican teams are doing so far. And then give me your like pick, like which team do you think will win this match? Well, just just a backstory on that. Yeah. Um, The Liga MX, they just, they're wrapping up their third week. Yeah. They're three Uh, games in. Yeah. They're wrapping up third week today as we speak right now. Um, So they're still kind of starting their season while the rest of MLS is already like halfway through the season. Right. When it comes to forms, that's something also to take into perspective, but yeah, yeah tell me which teams are playing. I'll tell you how they're doing and how I feel about it. Yeah, so first up on Tuesday, August 10th, we got Sporting Kansas City versus Club Leon, 5 p.m., yeah. all time specific. So, what do you think of that one? Uh, Sporting Kansas City, you're doing very well. Yes, yes, especially with the likes of Alan Polito in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Sporting FC should be able to win this first, um, this game, the first one. Um, Leon is going, they're getting it together right now. They're, they just won their, their second game, lost the first one. They're still kind of recovering from that championship um, hangover that they had two tournaments ago. Yeah, because um, Cruz Azul were the more recent ones. Yeah, exactly. And then prior to that was Leon, who, and last tournament they had a horrible performance. But um, Leon's going to take them a little while to re to spark that magic. But for this one, just coming in, like you said, it's a Red Hot team. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Sporting KFC takes away some points on that one. Yeah, I think uh, – I believe this is like a knockout tournament. So, yeah. Yeah. But um, next up we got Sounders versus Tigres. So we had the MLS team winning that first matchup. I think when it comes to Sounders versus Tigres, Sounders are very formidable, but a few key injuries could play into Tigres' hand here. And, and one thing you need to look at, Tigres, Tigres has a brand-new coach for the first time in, like, forever. Oh, yeah, that's true. They have a brand-new coach with the likes of El Piojo Herrera, uh, who was previously – he's been the Mexican international coach. Most famously, he's been America's coach. He's also taken Tijuana to uh, great runs. So he is a very world-renowned renowned coach. Um, and for this one, yeah, because of injuries and because of Leon and the amount of players they have, um, I feel like Leon has the upper hand on this one over uh, Sanders. Tigres has the upper hand. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Uh, it's, it's, when, <laughs> it's the cats, man. It's the tiger yeah. and lion. What do you expect from me? Yeah, tigers and lions and bears on mine. Oh, no, my. <laughs> bears are a football team, thankfully. Um, <laughs> so we're going to – now we're going to be alternating here between two competitions. On Wednesday, August 11th, the first game we have coming up, still in the League's Cup, New York City against Pumas. What do you think of that one, Danny? 
Dude, Pumas is off to a rough start, man. Ooh, and more and, cats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, they, you know, they're winless so far, uh, mm-hmm. with one draw and two defeats. Um, usually maybe, Pumas, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe New York City Pumas. gets this one, but maybe go ahead. Pumas. Well, Pumas is usually known for starting hot at the beginning of the tournament. This case is the complete opposite, so I do wow. believe Red Bull might have the advantage on this one. New York City FC. Dang it, yeah. <laughs> New York City. And also, uh, for you, Danny, uh, the second half just started. Uh, Atlas are up 1-0 over Pachuca. Of course they are. Yeah. Of course Atlas is. Yeah, and uh, also on Wednesday, the later game, we have the first leg in the CONCACAF Champions League semifinals. So this is the one with both uh, Mexican teams. So you'll mm-hmm. know a bit more about this one. Monterrey versus Cruz Azul. This is a big yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, Cruz Azul, again, there's something that happens with the – it's like a championship hangover mm-hmm. where Cruz Azul is off to not-so-ideal start. But they have been in the last possible nine. They have collected. No, I'm sorry. In the last possible, yeah, yeah, I was right. Yeah, in the, uh, nine uh, points. They were able to collect four. All right, and dropping all three points in the first one, drawing and now winning. So Cruz Azul is a force to be reckoned with. But I mean, Monterrey just has those players. They have that money to back it up. This one, I will give it to Monterrey over okay. Cruz Azul just because of the whole theory of or the mindset of the championship um, hangover. And I believe, if I have this correctly, that the first leg will be in Monterrey too. So Magnificent stadium, by the way. Oh, yeah. I hope to go there someday. Same. Um, <laughs> So now switching back to the final of League's Cup quarterfinals, Orlando City versus Santos Laguna. Santos Laguna, they've been one of the tougher teams for me to read in recent years for yeah. Liga MX. Yeah, completely um, with them, they're not very constant, which makes them super dangerous because you don't know oh, yeah. what version you're going to get. But, I mean, one player to definitely keep an eye out when it comes to Santos is their goalkeeper. Um um, Acevedo, who oh, yeah. there's a lot of speculations that he might be he is the contender for uh, defending Mexico between the posts once Ochoa steps down so um, yeah. that's my key player to keep an eye out for him but again, Santos, like you said it, they're not very constant um, like in their last three games they won the first game, but drawn the last two, so they're not very constant and for me that makes them a more dangerous team because you just don't know how to play this team yeah, um, I think Orlando City, they're starting to stutter a bit in MLS. Like, they are still in a really good spot in terms of making the playoffs. But I think also since the they're closer to the teams below them in the table, then they're probably not going to catch New England Revolution in mm-hmm. first place. Maybe their focus will be diverted to their league game coming up. Uh in the future, although I do believe they have a bye week this week. Nonetheless, I think that might catch up to them. I think Santos could be the surprise in this round and they'll knock out Orlando City. So I'm thinking, you know, two Liga Mekis and two MLS teams come out on top in that first yeah, round. Yeah, absolutely. And then lastly, uh, we have Thursday, August 12th, 7 p.m., Club America against the last MLS survivor in this competition, CONCACAF Champions League, 
Philadelphia Union, what do you think will happen in this one? I mean, I, if you guys read my Twitter handle, it says I don't claim it, but I back it up, and that's America. So mm-hmm. I, my heart cannot say there's no way I'm ever going to say an MLS team is going to defeat America, and I don't see the Union doing it um mm. over this america and that's just me being yeah. biased and i and i and i agree with and i even the, without being biased yeah. like i'm well i guess I can't be completely unbiased about club america because i am a chivas fan yeah. but i think america they're more well built right now i think philadelphia union they're having a good season they've had some good contributions like i said kai wagner i think he's the best left back in mls right now he's, um Andre Blake is still one of the better goalkeepers in MLS. They're going to need him against Club America to keep it close at least. Um, but I think with players like Mark McKenzie and Brennan Aronson, they've recently gone to Europe too. I mm. think Philadelphia Union are in this weird place where like they're probably a top eight team in MLS, but like you, you can't really envision them winning a competition, whether it be the CONCACAF Champions League or an MLS Cup, so kind of like uh, Atlanta FC after you know winning that that winning it all on their on their first year, and then kind of having that team rip apart, and then throwing this random people to face teams like America, like you know Monterrey, and you know the likes of those teams. Yeah, so. and to their credit, they won the Supporters Shield last year, yes, which is still really impressive, and I think it's more impressive because they did it in a pandemic even though some people think that it was worse because they faced the same teams over and over again. But regardless, that's something completely different than winning in a tournament style match. So I think, yeah, I think we could see Monterrey versus America, which would mean Monterrey after taking out a team from Mexico city, they have to Mm. face another one. (laughs) Oh, come on. (laughs) Yes, true. But the better one from Mexico city, they'll have to defend or play versus the, the best team and then aside from the quakes games coming up in mls uh saturday august 14th some games that stick out for me uh a little bit of a scouting mission for you quakes fans Uh, check out minnesota united versus la galaxy at 3 p.m pacific see what minnesota united can do against our main rivals um maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing i know i might get some criticism for this if LA Galaxy did beat Minnesota United just sticking with that theory of like if the team that plays our next opponent before us beats them we have a blueprint that we can apply for the next game um New York City versus Inter Miami is also an interesting one at 5 p.m uh also FC Dallas versus Sporting Kansas City at 5 30 I'll keep an eye on them particularly because Dallas is close to us on the table and Mm -hmm. with that logic as well Austin, do us a solid. Beat Real Salt Lake at 7 p.m. Yeah, that would be ideal. Uh, Sunday, August 15th at 1 p.m., you have Atlanta versus LAFC. Atlanta United, they're looking better. LAFC, not so much. So we'll see if their slump continues against the uh, red and black stripes. And then the Cascadia rivalry is renewed yes. with Portland Timbers versus Seattle Sounders 5.30 p.m. to close the weekend. Buys for the Philadelphia Union and Orlando City who are involved in uh, those competitions midweek and just a regular bye week for FC Cincinnati. No one's going to accuse them of being involved in uh, yeah. CONCACAF competitions just yet because yeah. they're not that great. Uh, but still starting it out. Yeah. 
so more focusing on the quakes again friday august 13th at home versus vancouver whitecaps 7 30 p.m another home game on tuesday august 17th at home versus minnesota united uh that would be four games in the space of two weeks prior to this bye week so they don't play during my birthday week of august 21st unfortunately but they're back august 30th they're at dignity health sports park to face la galaxy at 7 30 p.m and there's 13 games scheduled between September 4th and November 7th. So with those three games as well in August, that means there's 16 games left in this regular season. So the Quakes have played 18 then. So we're pretty much at the halfway point. Uh, overall, like we've, there's going to be a couple games where we think that, you know, we should have gotten one point when we ended up losing. We should have gotten three points when we had to get one. But we still have a chance. Yeah, well, hopefully they are able to to get you a W for your birthday on that August twentieth <laughs> game. Um, um, August seventeenth will be the closest to my birthday. Hey, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when is your birthday, by the way? You say August twenty first. Oh, cool. I'm twenty six. Oh, cool. I'm August thirty first. So hey. Oh, there we go. <laughs> there you go. Ten days difference. Um, but yeah, man, super competitive for the quicks coming up, especially you know these teams playing these teams regardless of what position they are but just having so many games back to back you know players need some some time to recover so it is going to be tough for the quicks with this homestand coming up but you know as a season pass holder i'm i'm all for it going there especially on the tuesday and seeing some quakes action especially for some minnesota all right and we're an hour 20 into this podcast so i'll just go over some of the main points to consider for the Vancouver Whitecaps game. And then mm-hmm. Daniel, I'll ask you for your prediction. So okay. Florian Youngworth, he could potentially come back to buy this. He knows our system very well. So he'll probably be having a big role in how to, the Vancouver Whitecaps will be set up against us. I believe complacency could be the biggest enemy in this game. Being LAFC does not ensure victory over a traditionally weaker opponent. Uh, they've landed some sucker punches against us before. Vancouver Whitecaps, they knocked us out in the playoffs uh, recently. I believe it was the 2016 playoffs. And they also got a a potentially devastating win down the stretch in the regular season 2020. Quakes managed to survive and sneak into the playoffs. So Vancouver Whitecaps, they can beat us. And I'm very intrigued to see their acquisition of Scottish attacking midfielder Ryan Gold. He was once labeled the Scottish Messi. He was uh, he played a lot in Portugal. He transfers from a Portuguese side called Farense. They were relegated from the Liga NOS in the 2020-2021 season. So with all that said, even though, you know, Whitecaps are near the bottom of the table, this is a very crucial game that Quakes, they have to have that same mindset. So what would your prediction be? For this one, just yeah, coming off that, just winning, winning LAFC doesn't necessarily guarantee a win versus the any team period. Yeah, exactly. So it's a new said, test. For this one, I see more of a draw. Yeah, I see, see a draw. I see a draw. I see maybe like a the, your typical one-one draw, and I feel like the Quakes are going <laughs> to oh, be no. focusing. <laughs> I feel like Quakes are going to focus more on defeating Minnesota. All right. So with that. Uh, prediction 
I maybe I convince you too pessimistic. Who knows? But uh, yeah. I think this is definitely a not necessarily must win anymore because the Quakes do have some wiggle room, although you're still chasing the playoff spot. I'm going to say, though, that this game, winning this game would make things a lot easier. So mm-hmm. I think they're going to be prepared. I think, and maybe, just maybe we get that clean sheet. I'm going to go a 1-0 win. 1-0, all right. Because I think the Vancouver Whitecaps, Florian Youngworth, he's going to be compact. He's going to be marshalling their midfield and their defense. It's going to take maybe another set-piece goal from Nathan to settle this one. Nice. All right. And then you had a couple questions. We got a lot of fan questions from Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Discord. Thank you all so much. Um, For those of you who sent multiple questions, I'm just going to answer one question per person today. Um, And we're going to start with one that you wrote, uh, Danny. So um, I think the one we'll focus on here is why is Lucho starting ahead of Marcos Lopez? And since you asked me this, I'll answer it. Yeah, I think it's not as easy as Lucho for Marcos Lopez because Abacasti mostly plays on the right-hand side and Marcos Lopez traditionally plays on the left-hand side. So I think uh, the decision is being between Shea Salinas and Marcos Lopez. And I think Shea Salinas is just playing very well in a very understated role that we have a glue guy on that left-hand side that Marcos Lopez is just going to have to bide his time hope to see him more off the bench. I would prefer to sub him in over a Paul Marie. I think Paul Marie is one of those players where like, he's a, he's a role player. Like he's not a player that, you know, with all due respect, you're not investing so many minutes on him because you think he's going to be this next star. You think he's going to be the best right back in MLS. Marcos Lopez can not only be the best left back in MLS in a few years time. Like if he continues on his trajectory, playing with the Peruvian national team and playing well for us, in a few years' time, like he'll be good enough to play in a potentially stronger or on par league. Maybe he could do a job in several Mexican clubs and in some European leagues, I think, because he's still got so much upside and so much room to grow. Mm-hmm. So I think right now it's just a matter of it's Shea Salinas's moment right now, but maybe in one of these next two games, it's going to be tight transitioning from Vancouver to Minnesota, even if both games are at home. Maybe Shea Salinas gets rested, and that's Marcos Lopez is in to get that starting spot. He usually has. Cool. Right on. All right. Um, now I'll turn over the, the next question to you. So, at Brochar on Twitter asked, um, How's Nathan? Matias said he was fine, but he went down twice with a head injury. Any reason you think to be concerned about Nathan's health? Um, not the time. I think MLS and just as far as our sports culture here in the United States, we're we're pretty much on top of any sort of head injuries. Concussions in the soccer, yeah, and especially the soccer community, we've gone way better in the in the past decade, twenty years in kind of talking on that and making sure protecting our players number one. So I wouldn't be super uh, concerned. I feel like the the one on the game on Sunday where he took the longest, I feel it was just mostly him to um, to eat up some time, which I feel like he was successful in doing that, adding, you know, taking away two or three minutes away from the from the clock. So um, I won't be too concerned. I feel like based on the game on Sunday, it was just him just eating up some time. Yeah, and I know Almeida 
like I think a good amount of managers, he's not necessarily going to be rushing to give us injury news about players if he's not too serious. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that's the case. Uh, I think we would definitely not be as positive in this podcast if we believe that there was a significant chance that Nathan would miss one game, let alone like five or 10. So, yeah. Next, we got Luis Velasquez. Uh, how can we utilize Ebobisa better? There's so many misruns where Chofis or Espinosa kept playing backwards instead of picking him out. I think uh, it might be just like something that comes with time. Like you said, like he's a new signing. He didn't have a, too much time to practice with these players. So we'll see how it looks in the next few games and if that improves. Yeah, absolutely. Jessica Shea, uh, do you predict the pl- Quakes will make the playoffs and so how far you think they will go and uh, JPM uh, on Twitter one of our other followers referred to us to this uh, uh, predictions page from 538 somehow Quakes have a 29% chance of making the playoffs RSL have a uh, 40% chance that's an 11% difference solely based on goal difference so there had to be mm-hmm. more there I think based on what we saw today and based on what we see from the table I think 29% might be a little bit harsh. I think right now, Quicks maybe have a 50-50 chance of making the playoffs, at Absolutely. least. No, yeah. I, I feel like Quicks are going to make it to the playoffs. I mean, if we were able to make it last season after having like three or four games of just defeating, being defeated with horrendous scores, I don't see why Quicks cannot repeat that same uh, thing this year. So I feel like Quicks will make it. As far as how deep, hopefully I see him going second round, maybe, depending on how they finish on, on this one. So I feel like that's too – you know what? You know what, Shay? I feel like that's too early to predict that. Baby steps. And let's just predict that Quakes will make the playoffs. Um, Maybe sixth position? Yeah, so let's see. I think that – my main concern, though, is that Quakes did make the playoffs last year, but there was eight teams from the West that made the playoffs. This time it's just seven. Mm-hmm. So I think if the Quakes do make the playoffs, six is probably the ceiling, maybe seventh, unless they have a completely incredible end of the campaign. Yeah. But even if we do make the playoffs, most likely we're probably facing Sporting Kansas City again or Seattle Sounders or maybe LA Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And I'm not quite ready to say that the Quakes will knock them out in a playoff one-off match, but making the playoffs two seasons in a row that has not happened in a long time. I think that's very important. And even if we get knocked down the first round, that's something. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Really quickly with uh, my good friend, Trevor Woshik. I did meet at the game uh, on Sunday. Uh, He's very concerned with uh, Siad Haji no longer being played. And it does baffle me. Uh, I wish I had more to say other than like, I think, unfortunately, his game time is going to be cut into a little bit more now that there's another attacking option to juggle. But I think it's still a long season. I don't think just because players like Tommy Thompson and uh, Siad Haji, um, maybe a Jack Scan, if he, we don't see him again for a couple games, I don't think they're going to be permanently frozen out of the squad. It's just going to depend on the situation. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you're you're competing versus 
players who like are solidifying their position up there. So it's just you might not fit the system right now, but you know what? You never know. Some player might get injured. They might have to take a break for, you know, a game or two. And that's where you have your opportunity. So just grind it out there. Um, but yeah, it's just some players are better form and you gotta remember what is best for the team and Almeida. We trust Almeida to make those decisions for us. Uh, now we got some Discord questions. Nico, aka Chofies with Cheese, asked, mm. "What does the future looks like for Tommy Thompson, Andy Rios, and Syed Haji?" So, like I said with the last question, we, we're going to take a wait and see approach with Syed Haji. We saw some good things with him early in the season, but you know, there's only so many starting roles, so many players that can come off the bench. He's going to get another opportunity down the road. I see Tommy Thompson going in a trajectory of Shea Salinas where there's going to be times where he's going to be a uh, locker room presence. He's going to be a presence from the bench. Uh, he's not going to be always on the field, but sometimes his versatility will come in handy. And who knows, maybe, you know, injury or suspension happens that opens the door for Tommy Thompson to be like Shea Salinas is right now. One of those nailed on starters simply because he played himself into that position. And lastly, yeah. for Andy Rios, I think there's a sense of the Quakes paid so much money for him that there's uh, incentive to keep playing him whenever you can. But I think if Jeremy Obese hits the ground running, I think the writing will be on the wall for him that sorry, not sorry, just hasn't worked out. Like I like Andy Rios as a person, uh, but as a player, like maybe this is just isn't the right fit. And that happens. Like it happened with innocent Emergara who recently retired a few weeks ago, you know, his time at the quakes was checkered mm -hmm. to say the least, but I hold no ill will to him. And I hold no ill will to Andy Rios. Anyone who puts on a quakes Jersey, like I'm thankful that they're part of this community for whether they were here for a season or longer. So that's yeah. how I look at it. Uh, we got a couple more questions. ATB Pita 15 asks, should we be concerned about the over-reliance of play, playing through the wings? Uh, have you noticed that, Danny? Yeah, I've definitely noticed that. Definitely saw it a lot um, in this past game where they were playing. Um, uh, they were feeding all the attacks by the wing. And it looks like it was, you know, Chase Alina's leading the majority of those attacks and enjoying that. So, um. I wouldn't be concerned. Um, I mean, it's the formation. It's a three-four-three. Three. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? Play through the middle. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I wouldn't be so concerned because one thing I did notice about Meta is that he play he picks his formation his players based on how it was best to defeat this opponent. So, that unfortunately, it looks like for the past couple of games, that's what has been given more results and more formula. But uh, Meta is one of those players. Was one of those coaches who is willing to change it up when time is needed putting players in different positions and we've seen it. And so at the end of the day, it's whatever works. And if this playing by the wing was working, I'm not complaining. All right. Um, and I did say that in jest, like I don't want to be overly dismissive of ATB Pita, but I do want to also agree with him in the sense that I don't want the quakes to be too predictable. And oh, something that doesn't make me nervous is that, you need to pick and choose when you play at the back. Like it's okay to just boot it out. Sometimes that's the safest scenario. Uh, yeah. I know it looks prettier and it looks better when you can retain possession from the back, but the most important thing, especially when there's been so few clean sheets, 
prevent a goal whenever you can. Um, and then we got a few more questions. We'll ask three or four more. Uh, Clavin asks, uh, we have a lot of talented midfielders, so how will we fit them all in the game? Uh, so if you're going with wingers, I think it's up to Jeremy Ebuise to displace one of Cowell, Espinoza, or Chofis, likely either Cowell or Chofis. As for the midfielders, you have Jackson Ewell, you have Remedy, you have Judson. It's going to be two of those three. I think occasionally you'll get Jack Scan or Siat uh, Haji to fill in if needed, or maybe even Tommy Thompson. So I think that right now, Matias Almeida has pecking order. His starting limps haven't changed too much in these last four or five games. And I think it's a good problem to have. Like, eventually, we're going to need this depth. Yeah. Like, we're not going to be talking about, like, oh, man, we're, like, we're not playing this guy off the bench. Like, he has to come off the bench because he can't start. We're going to be like, oh, players A, B, C are injured. Thank goodness we have players D, E, and F. And no, if, and, go and, ahead. Yeah, Danny. I think you said it, it's a good problem. No, I, was, I, I just want to agree. I think it's a good yeah. problem to have players to admit there because you cannot just say, okay, this is my starting formation, and then my two substitutes that will cover up because injuries will happen. So we need to have those options. So I, I think it's not a bad problem to have at the time. All right. So afraid asks, why was Cade playing so passively? Um, I don't know. Yellow, so. uh, uh, yeah, I'm thinking before that, because I'm sure that's what Afraid was asking about. Definitely after the yellow, uh, that was a thing. But even then, if you're an attacking player like Kate Cowell, you, if you have a yellow, but you're attacking, unless you're really stupid, you're not going to get a second yellow. Unless The only way that would happen is like, you get fouled, the referee doesn't call, and you retaliate, which I don't think that's something Kate Cowell would do. But I think mm-hmm. it's also like just as the new signing is learning a new system, he's probably feeling the pressure. He's probably trying to make adjustments as well. He's trying to state his case for why mm-hmm. he should continue to start. And, you know, as talented as Kate Cowell is, he is an all-star so is Diego Rossi, and Diego Rossi came off the bench. Like, you know, these things are fluid, and it's a game-by-game basis. I still think that Kate Cowell, like, when things work out, things didn't work out for him in this game, should be given at least 65 minutes each game, and sometimes he's been subbed out a little bit earlier in the best of times. But Ameda makes the calls, and – in the last few games, he's been getting most of those calls right. Yeah. Um, I'll uh, put in the uh, Instagram question for you to ask first, and then I'll ask the last one after that. So from Instagram, do you see Jeremy Ebobise starting right below Kate Cow as a false nine, Danny? Is that something you can envision? No, not the time, because then where does that leave trophies? You know, where does that leave uh, other players also there? So that would have to I, I change the formation because right now we don't yeah, play a formation the with formation the camp. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't see it happening anytime soon. 
unless like mm. he can come into into the team and really make a case and really have a huge impact in the front. Granted, this is just started. We're just basing this off one game. So this is definitely one that we have to come back after, you know, maybe after the two, three games coming up at or the three games left in this month, maybe September, maybe we can see something towards the end to make that final push for playoffs. Right. And I just thought of something where like, it could be an easy formation shift if Ameda decided he wanted to go that role where yeah. you can either do a three, four, two, one in the sense that like, Rather than like the wingers and the forward, you have like the two attacking midfielders and then the false nine. And then there's a three, four, one, two, which I know Italy used to use a lot in like the 2014 World Cup. Mm -hmm. But that would involve uh, a strike partnership. And I don't think that's what the Instagram question is asking about. Yeah. Unfortunately, like we can't always see who asked the Instagram questions. So I apologize if you sent this in and we can't credit you. Feel free to let us know that it was you and uh, we'll try to give you uh, credit in the future or through a tweet or something. Lastly, my friend, I mentioned him earlier in the show, David Alcaraz or David Alcaraz. <laughs> I mm. usually call him by his, um, the Spanish pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. But um, asks if LAFC's attack felt like a bigger task to plan for. And I personally thought it would be because uh, that was the one part of LAFC squad that I was really convinced about their goalkeeper situation. It feels like they're still trying to like, they haven't really been settled in the goalkeeper spot, even though their current uh, choice, the Salvadorian Salvadoran, sorry, is doing well. Uh, the defense we know is in trouble. The midfield is weaker because they let Mark Anthony K go, or they traded him. One of those things. He's no longer a LAFC player. But the attack, they've got plenty of options. So, and they had two good ones off the bench, even though Latif Blessing is more of a midfielder than an attacker. I still consider him an attacking option. So basically, the Quakes had to deal with two waves of attack. You have to deal with the starters. You have to deal with the subs. And I think it got dicey in the second half, but they dealt with it well. I hope you, if you did listen to this podcast, I hope we didn't, you didn't feel too bad about how we covered LAFC. You know, we're still friends. <laughs> um, yeah. And now for the closing thought, um, before we get to that, might as well uh, thank our sponsors, of course. Uh, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. If you're tired of the same old uniforms and cookie care templates from Nike and Adidas, just like Christian Pulisic signed with Puma today, looking for a unique, complete custom kit for yeah. your youth team, Sunday league squad, adult or pro team. Icarus of C can help you create the kid of your dreams and affordable price. Uh, probably unlike the Funes Mori one you almost had to buy. Let them help you design yes, your right. new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. Um, thankfully, you didn't have to buy that one. I know money is tight these days for all of us in this pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> Who will finish yeah. this season higher? Do you think LAFC can bounce back? Who do you think San Jose Earthquakes will uh, be able to make this turning point stick? I mean, I feel like the Quakes are definitely going to be turning around, but I don't see them positioning themselves at the end of the season higher than LAFC. I think LAFC just has a little bit more quality when it comes to 
um, to the players all around. So uh, much it, it hurts me to say this, I feel like I don't see Quakes positioning themselves higher than LAFC, but hey, we'll be right there right behind them. Yeah, I'm going to say it's a good time to be excited as a Quakes fan, but we still have work to do. And as of yeah. now, I can I see the more likely possibility being LAFC, they do what they have to do to right the ship. And maybe the Quakes qualify for the playoffs. They finish seventh or sixth. Then LAFC is maybe like fourth, fifth, or sixth. Like I can see that happening. Yeah. There's still a lot of moving parts. A lot of teams can go up. A lot of teams can go down. I think we still have some ways to go to be like an LAFC tier club. Like when everyone's healthy, when everything yeah. is going optimum, I think there's still some room to grow, but this team is certainly capable of that. They're certainly capable of playing well, and hopefully they do against Vancouver Whitecaps. Just to reiterate, Danny's going with a 1-1 draw. I'm going with a 1-1 win. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Uh, thanks again for coming on to the podcast. This is a pleasure to talk hey. to you. Hey, I always, always love hanging out with you guys, so my, the pleasure is mine. Yeah, and I know this has been an hour and 40 minutes. Uh, thank you to everyone who stayed with us this long. Uh, for me, it flew by. It felt like 30 minutes talking, and yeah. that's how it should be, talking with friends, interacting with the community we have here at the Tonic Takes Podcast. There are social media platforms. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Tectonic Takes. We got Instagram, we got Discord server, we got Patreon. All those links will be in the description below. I'll have... Uh, Danny's social media uh, on the description as well. T uh, take care, everyone, sure. and good quake. Go quakes. <laughs> see you guys at the games. Yeah, see you guys at the next game. Bye. Thank you.